Good morning. It's great to see you today. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew 1. We're going to get there in just a minute. We'll be looking at a lot of verses in the four Gospels. I always encourage you to follow along in your Bible, just to kind of parallel with your Bible. This Wednesday night, we just had a group go to Aurora, Colorado, and they spent a week working with the First Baptist Church there. And it's kind of a unique church. It's in kind of a difficult area of the town. And it's a church building that has like five or six different people groups that meet in that church. So they have... They have services every week in like six different languages. It really is a unique ministry. And so they're going to share a little bit, some of them, this Wednesday night at 6.30. So I hope you'll come and just hear what God is doing. Our church paid for a lot of the materials, if not most of the materials. They, They don't really have a whole lot, and so we not only sent a team there, but we covered all the cost of all the material to help fix up a building so they can reach additional people. So we really appreciate those who went on the team, and some of them will be here this Wednesday night uh, to share a little bit about that, uh, their experience. So we've been uh, on a series on the names of God on Sunday morning, just kind of experiencing uh, the names of God. And I want to just kind of go back to where I started a few weeks ago. David, who was a man after God's own heart, understood how important the name of God was. And there are various names in the Bible for God. And each name gives us just one aspect of who God is. But David wrote in the Psalms, in Psalms chapter 8, it begins and ends with the very same sentence. Let's read together as David is saying to the Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And so David would just brag on the name of God. In Psalm 34, David says, let's read together, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. There is something powerful about exalting the name of the Lord. And then he says in Psalms 124, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. David understood the power of his name. And I believe the name of the Lord, whichever name you choose, I think I always kind of see God's name as a cosmic credit card. It's good in three worlds. It's good in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. There is something powerful about the name of the Lord. And if you remember, even when David was a young lad, when he fought Goliath, Goliath came in all the armor of a warrior, But notice what David says to Goliath. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. David understood that he wasn't out there fighting Goliath all by himself. He was fighting him in the name of the Lord. Can I just tell you, every day we get up, we should never go out in life and just try to conquer life in our own strength but to always go out in the name of the Lord and under His goodness and under His grace. In Proverbs it says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So again, there's something powerful about the name of the Lord. So, so far we've looked at Jehovah Jireh, God is our provider. We looked at God is the horn of our salvation. Last week Josh preached on Jehovah Makedesh, that God is holy. If you were here last week, Josh almost came out of his shoes preaching on the holiness of God. 
that he is holy, holy, holy. There's no way to describe the holiness of God. And as he was preaching, I changed what I was going to preach this week. I, have, I, I had a different name. I, I changed. I, I said, I, as holy as God is and as amazing as that is, and you'll find this impossible, I want to preach to you something more amazing than the holiness of God. And that's pretty amazing. As, as Josh preached last week, I, before I give you the name, some of you are wondering what is the name he's going to preach today, I want to first of all just give you a visual here. You know, God gave a standard in the Old Testament. We call it the first covenant, the law. And God basically said with the Ten Commandments, if you can live up to this standard, then I will do my part and you can be saved. And so I want you to imagine God's righteous standard as a high jump. Anybody here ever tried a high jump in high school? I maybe cleared a foot and a half, maybe, maybe. But they say, I googled this way, the world record for high jump is 8 foot .457 inches. They say that's the world record, the highest that anyone has ever cleared. Well, I want you to imagine God's standard as 1,000 feet. What is our chances of clearing 1,000 feet? I mean, it's impossible. And so God's standard, even though man tried, and I want to give you a few people here trying to clear. I'm like the fat boy that just barely got off the mat. All right, I, I don't make it very hot. Last time I played sports and they said to me, Roger, you can jump, it's okay to jump. And I said, I was. Didn't you see me? They didn't even notice. Now obviously some people get a little closer to God than others, but the truth is the Bible says we all have fallen short. And so nobody can live up to God's standard. Impossible. But God gave man a chance, and man really tried. Maybe Paul got closer to anybody. He said, as touching the law and all the man-made laws, he says, I was blameless. I was a performer. But yet Paul said, I was the chief of sinners. The truth is, none of us can live up to God's standard. Well, when Jesus came, you know what he did? He raised the standard. How crazy is that? I mean, we couldn't even live up to the Ten Commandments. Jesus comes along and says, you know what? Let's raise that standard a little bit. And so he raised the standard, I'm going to say to 10,000 feet. And he said things like, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. But I'm telling you, if you have hatred in your heart, you've already committed murder. I mean, he took God's standard and raised it. He said, man, you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery. I tell you, if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery. I mean, how in the world could he raise the bar when we couldn't live up to the lower bar? Because he knew the only way we could ever live up to that bar is a relationship with Jesus. So he came down to earth, and the name we're going to look at today is Emmanuel, God with us. If you just get a slight grip of the holiness of God, which Josh almost came out of his shoes trying to talk about the holiness of God, that is hard to grasp. But then to think that holy God would be willing to come down to earth, live in an earth suit, and to live up to God's standards so you and I could make it to heaven. Wow. I mean, I can't, I mean, the angels had to be thinking when God chose to take on an earth suit, the angels had to be saying to themselves, what? Why well, don't get it? And so I want to talk about Emmanuel. Now, normally when I think about Emmanuel, I think of Christmas. How many of you think of Christmas? 
So I want to give you a little Christmas flavor here. Just a little Christmas. And I want to remind you, 118 days till Christmas. How many of you came to church today saying, I wonder how many days till Christmas? So that's for you procrastinators out there. 118 days, all right? So just, just be ready. So God chose to come down to earth. I, I can't even wrap my mind around how holy God could take on an earth suit and come to meet the standard that we could not meet so that you and I could go to heaven. Wow, that's crazy. And so let's look at the passage there, and it's usually one, again, we look at at Christmas time. But the angel of the Lord is, is, appears to Joseph in a dream. Now, you remember Mary had already been told that she's going to be with child. And uh, how many of you know that when Mary told her parents, they probably didn't believe her? Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, when she told Joseph who she was engaged with, and in Jewish culture, when you were engaged, you were already considered Mary, married. Can you imagine Mary going to Joseph and telling her the good news that she's with child from God? How many of you know that he didn't believe it? The Bible says he was trying to figure out how to put her away privately because he still cared about her. But even he didn't believe the story until the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Can you imagine her whole life? She had that reputation for being unfaithful. Even they said to Jesus at one point, we weren't born of fornication like you were. I mean, her whole life, her reputation was kind of tainted, but she was willing. I love how she said, be it unto me according to your word. Wow. You know, if we could all say that to God every day, that would be revival. Be it unto me according to your word. Well, then the Lord, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph here. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 1. He's quoting from Isaiah 7, 14. He says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which uh, when translated means God with us. And so God chose to come down, take on an earth suit, and to live up to God's standard, which we could never live up to. And again, he even raised the standard to a standard that it would be impossible without the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now, John looks at it a little bit different in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John begin, begins, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, the word became flesh or Jesus became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So John's gospel says the word God became flesh. I don't understand if you again just get a slight grasp of the holiness of God, that he is holy, holy, holy. But yet he chose to come down, take on an earth suit, because he wanted to experience all the temptations that we struggle with. He wanted to live up to God's standards so he could take you and I to heaven. I love how the New Living Translation says the word became human and made his home among us. God has always chose to tabernacle with us. Even though our life is a mess, and even though we're literally kind of stuck in sin, he chose to come down and tabernacle with us. I love how Paul says it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says that he is the image of the invisible God. I mean, literally, when you see the life of Jesus, 
you're seeing God in the flesh. He was fully man and yet fully God. If somebody wonders, I wonder what God would do if he were here on earth. All you got to do is study the life of Jesus. Because what Jesus what made Jesus happy makes God happy. What made Jesus sad makes God sad. And so I think when you study the life of Jesus, he is God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so the New Living Translation says here in Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And the Amplified Bible says that Christ is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. So God chose to take on an earth suit. And so everything he said and everything he did was God's message to mankind. Now again, thinking of the holiness of God, you may say, well, God is so holy, he cannot stand to be around sin. But I just want us to just take a step back, and I just want us to look at the life of Jesus, because this was God in the flesh. And so first of all, some unlikely people. Jesus hung around some folks that I would have gotten trouble hanging around when I grew up in church. But he hung around. I think about the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. You remember the disciples had gone off to get some food, and so he went to Jacob's well, and there was a Samaritan woman who was drawing water. And you remember he asked the woman, would you give me a drink? And the Bible says she was surprised that he, being a Jew, would speak to her who was a Samaritan. So she was surprised that he would even talk to her. And can I just remind you that our God, even though he is holy, associates with sinners. If he didn't, you and I would be in big, big trouble. But his love reaches out. And I want to tell you, the disciples came back and they were surprised that, that he was talking to this woman. But he not only talked to her and not only did a little bit of revival happen when he began to talk about her life, the Bible says that he stayed in Samaria for two more days. So he hung out in Samaria for two days, and the Bible says many of the Samaritans believed in him. Can I tell you, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven that isn't in our little world. I believe that's why the Bible says in heaven there's going to be people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation group. God's love reaches across every human barrier. God's love reaches the unlovable. And I'm so glad that even though he is holy, he's willing to reach out and connect and love on people that need the love of God. And then I think about, uh, this is, I always kind of laugh at this. In Mark chapter 2, you remember when Matthew got saved, he immediately got all of his sinner friends together for lunch and invited Jesus over for lunch. And so Jesus showed up, and he was bumping elbows with all the sinners. And it says the Pharisees got kind of upset because their concept of God was a holy God that would not associate with sinners. And so they were kind of surprised that he was uh, hanging out, and they said, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? I'm telling you, I'm so thankful that our God is holy, holy, holy. But he loves us so much. He's willing to come where we are, meet us where we are, and love on us and show us the grace of God. And if he didn't, you and I would all be in big trouble today. 
But his grace, I've shared the story over the years of Iris Urey, who was a, a prostitute who got saved. I heard her give her testimony down at Third Baptist Church many, many, many years ago. And she got up and there was all these dynamic preachers that were preaching. And I, I said to whoever I was with, man, I would sure hate to get up without all those dynamic pastors preaching. But she got up, very uneducated. She just got up and just shared what God had done for her. And, I'm not, and she began to sing Amazing Grace, Irish Uri. Prostitute, got saved. She started singing Amazing Grace. And I'm telling you, the power of God came down so thick. I mean, you just wanted to get underneath the pew when she began to sing Amazing Grace. And Irish Uri said when she got saved, she brought all of her sinner friends to church the next week. She said, I didn't know you were supposed to clean them before you caught them. She said, I just brought all the prostitute, all the drug, druggies. I just brought them to church just like they were. Purple spiked hair, mini skirts. I mean, just come and dress like drug, uh, druggies and all. The, and she said the church was so Christian, everybody parted and gave us our own section. I want to tell you, I believe if God were here today, he would be reaching out to the least of these. I appreciate Josh and Kayla who have a ministry to the homeless, to the down and out. I appreciate Ron Spurgeon here. Ron is at the coffee shop here in Leslie. And Ron shared with me, I think it was just this last week, he feels the weight. He said, you know, he said we got about 10 people at Celebrate Recovery. We've got about 10 people on the Wednesday morning Bible study. And we got about 10 people on Sunday night worship. And he said to me at one point, he goes, I know you guys run more than that. But he said, you, you need our 10. I said, you're right. And he said to me this week, he said, the people that he's ministering to, a lot of them are just bound by addictions. They're struggling with drugs and alcohol and all kinds. And he just said, the weight is so heavy. And man, I, I love that guy. And I said to Ron, man, I said to everybody, man, you're doing the ministry of Jesus. He's reaching people that the average church has no time for. Because it's very time-consuming. It's very draining when you get people with multiple layers of problems. It's very time-consuming. And I'm so glad that Jesus reached out to the least of these. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 15, I got the reference up there. In Luke 15, it says that all the sinners drew near to hear him. You know, years ago... When I was a young pastor, I, 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 we weren't getting people coming to church. And I said, God, why, why aren't we having more people in church? Why aren't they coming? I mean, when Jesus walked, people were drawn to Jesus. And here's what God told me. Sometimes it's better not to ask, by the way. I said, God, why aren't people coming? And God said, maybe because you're more like a Pharisee than you are like Jesus. Man, that's tough. You know, some churches have no time for people that are hurting. But aren't you thankful that when God took on an earth suit, he reached out to the lowest of the low. Even though he is holy, 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 he is not so holy, he's not willing to reach out to the least of those. 
He is Emmanuel, God with us. And I think about the leper. You know, lepers were considered ceremonially unclean. But this leper comes to Jesus, kneeling down and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And I love how the Bible said, Jesus said, I am willing, and Jesus touched him. Jesus is willing to touch the untouchables. He's willing to love the unlovable. You know, if you invited Jesus over to your house, first of all, you better make sure you got really good insurance and a lot of extra snacks. Let me just give you a few examples. In Mark chapter 2, the Bible says he came into Capernaum and he came to a house and the word got out that Jesus was in the house and immediately so many people gathered they couldn't get near the door. That's one of my life verses, by the way. You know, sometimes we wonder, why, doesn't, why, don't, why don't people come to church? But here, the Bible says, when word got out that Jesus was in the house, all of a sudden, so many people gathered, they couldn't get near the door. And I think today, we're so concerned about entertaining people, having the right music, having the right message that make people can laugh and everything rhymes. And, and, but can I tell you, the one thing we're missing is Jesus in the house. If word gets out that Jesus is in the house, people will come. Because I believe people still need Jesus today. And that's something you cannot fake in the flesh. People want to experience Jesus. And you know the story how the four men brought a paralytic friend. They couldn't get in because of all the people. And so they cut a hole in the roof. How many of you would be praising God if that was your house? I'd be saying, Jesus, couldn't we just take this outside? But they tear a hole in the roof big enough to let a guy down in. It's packed with people, and all of a sudden, stuff starts dropping in women's hair. Can you imagine all the debris coming down? I imagine the owner of the house is probably wondering about his insurance policy. But people were desperate to get to Jesus. And so when you invite Jesus over, just be expecting the unexpected. And then I think about Simon, the Pharisee. He invited Jesus over. Little did Simon know when he invited Jesus over, the town center would show up. I remember one time we preached on this years ago. I had Debbie Stewart dress up like a prostitute, and she came down the middle of the aisle. That was a fun service. Anyway, I don't even know why I thought of that. But this woman who was a sinner, I, I, maybe she was the town prostitute, I don't know. And here's Simon the Pharisee, a religious, upright member of the community. Little did he know when he invited Jesus over, the worst of the worst would show up. Now, I don't know how this, wo- this woman knew Jesus. But the Bible says she came, and they're having lunch. They're having lunch with Jesus. And the Bible says she got behind him, and she began to wash his feet with her tears. So she's crying. The Bible says she's taking her hair and wiping his feet. And then she begins to anoint his feet and kiss his feet. So you're trying to have lunch. Anybody say awkward? And so Simon is saying to himself, if this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of this was, 
that's at his feet. Simon didn't know. He knew God was holy, but he didn't experience God's grace. But God is holy. But he's willing to come down to the least of these. I am so glad that he is Emmanuel, God with us. That he chose to come down, take on an earth suit. And then Jesus loved children. Can I tell you, how many of you enjoy being around kids? You just never know what to expect, right? It was Art Linkletter that said kids are funny because they don't know what they're saying. Old people are funny because we don't care what we're saying. I know sometimes Brenda will say to me, you need a filter on what you say sometimes. Hey, I'm, I'm 64. I deserve it. I've lived long enough. But he loved kids. He loved children. The Bible says the disciples rebuked people who were bringing little children to Jesus. They probably thought Jesus was way too busy for kids. And this really bothered Jesus. Can I tell you, God loves children. If I could just give you an assignment this week, get down in the floor with some kids and just wrestle and play with kids. I think it's the most spiritual thing we can do sometimes is hang out. And so he was greatly displeased. He said, let little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. I wish he would have said that Baptist pastors, they are close to the kingdom of heaven. But he used children. I remember back many years ago when we started the 8 o'clock service, probably on about the fourth row there, and I don't even remember who it was sitting there, but they, they had their grandson on their knee, right on, right on the aisle. And the grandson was about three years old. And when I got done preaching and I was walking to the back at the end of the service, this little boy, three years old, three years old, he looked up at me and this is what he said. He said, I could do that. <laughs> now that hurts a little because I've been trained. But he looked up at me and said, I, I could do that. And I mean... I got down on my knee right in front of that little guy, and I said, buddy, you absolutely can. You can do anything God calls you to do. That was probably one of the greatest compliments I've ever received. I could do that. You may walk in and say, man, our pastor, he's not all that good. He's really not that great. But it's not about me. It's about God. Can I tell you, Paul was a bad preacher. How many of you knew Paul was a bad preacher? I used to always think Paul had to be the most dynamic guy on the planet. But it says in 2 Corinthians 10.10, 10, it says his letters are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. I love how the Living Bible, I don't always read the Living Bible, but the Living Bible says he sounds big in his letters, but it's all noise. When he gets here, you'll say you've never heard a worse preacher. But Paul said, I didn't come to wow you. He said in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, I want you to experience the power of God. I think we're so busy trying to entertain and wow people with our speech and our music, we forget that people need the power of God. People need Jesus in the house. And that's really all that matters in the end. I got to get going. You guys got to amen more. That helps speed me up, all right? Amen. God. 
Jesus in a graveyard. You know, you wouldn't expect to find God showing up in a graveyard to a guy that has a legion of demons. You talk about a guy down and out. You talk about a guy living in death. This guy that was in the graveyard, I don't think he was on the visitation roll of most churches. But Jesus went that day to deliver this guy who had a legion of demons. I'm so glad we serve a God that's able to reach down to the lowest of the low of the low, the lowest and the worst outcast. He's able to go and minister the love of God. That's Emmanuel, God with us. And when you understand the holiness of God, it's even more crazy to think that he would be willing to take on an earth suit and reach out to those who are hurting. You know, I heard a pastor one time, Arthur Blessed. Anybody here remember Arthur Blessed? He was the guy that carried the cross all over the place. Different countries. I mean, he carried the cross everywhere. And so he was uh, sharing one time, I heard him speak, and he was sharing that he was in the inner city of, of L.A., I believe it was, back in the day. This was back in the 70s. But they were carrying the cross, and the pastor was going with him. And, uh, and after they got done, they got in the pastor's car. He got a brand new car. I think he bought his wife a Cadillac. It was the top of the top. And so they were riding in the pastor's car, and they, they passed a guy that was homeless, and he was just lying in his own vomit. And Arthur Blessed says to the pastor, Stop! Wait! Stop! 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 We need to minister to that guy. And the pastor pulled over, and he looked at the guy lying in his own vomit. And he said to Arthur, bless it, man, there's no way I can let him ride in this car. My wife will kill me. And Arthur just sat there and wept. I just want to tell you that the God that we serve was willing to reach down to the lowest of the low. I remember... Years ago, I don't think I've shared this. I, I, sometimes I remember, I forget which service I share things in. But many years ago, we had two families join on the same Sunday. One family, that was back in the day where we wore, you know, suits, ties. And so one, one couple was completely decked out. The other couple came and they were kind of in rag. And they came from Berkeley where I grew up, so I kind of knew we had some connections. But they had all kinds of facial body piercings. They had all kinds of, of tattoos and everything. And so they were there on one side, kind of dressed one way. And here this other couple, all decked out in a suit and dress. And I'll never forget, and this is to the grace of God, one of our members came up afterwards and said, when we presented both of those couples at the same time, I've never felt more of the love of God. That this church would not only accept a, a family in a suit and a dress, but we would accept a family that completely looked like the other way. And that's the love of God. There should be people that don't look like us, act like us, sitting by us. That's the love of God. You know, when Jesus went to church, man, crazy things happened. Every time Jesus went to church, something happened that wasn't in the bulletin. In this case, he wanted to do more, but he couldn't. When he went to his hometown of Nazareth, the Bible said he could do no mighty work there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He marveled at their unbelief. Man, he was wanting to do so much more. I wonder today when you came to church, and I don't want you to respond, but I wonder how many of us came to church today wanting to see God do something only God can do. 
Sometimes we're so used to going through the motions of church and we're thinking about where we're going to eat lunch, sometimes we don't believe God for the miracle. That God wants to do something only God can do. I think about uh, here in chapter 1, there was a man when he went into the synagogue with an unclean spirit. I always think it's funny how a demon-possessed man could feel comfortable in church until Jesus showed up. Jesus rebuked him, said, be quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him, cried with a loud voice. Can you imagine a guy waffling up here on the ground, convulsing, crying with a loud voice? How many of you think that would be a little different Sunday? But Jesus came to deliver people out of the bondage of, of the enemy. He came to love people and to, and to set people free from bondage. I love how it says in uh, Matthew here, he's quoting from Isaiah, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I believe he went to people who were completely burnt out in life and completely just abused and beat up and he reached out to those people. I want to encourage you that as you're going through your daily life and you see somebody who's on the down and out, that maybe you're the voice of God and maybe you're the love of God to reach out and to, and to minister to that person in Jesus' name. Jesus broke a lot of Sabbath laws, a lot of man-made laws. I mean, every church has man-made laws. How many of you grew up with a lot of man-made laws in church? I did. Now, Jesus intentionally, he didn't break God's law, but he all the man-made laws, which I think is kind of funny. He always had them all ticked off, the religious leaders, because they were so busy performing for God, they didn't even know God when he showed up in their midst. That's sad. That's really sad. When Jesus was asked, what is the great commandment? He said, really, the most important thing to God is a love relationship with God and a love for our fellow man. If we're not doing that, we're really missing the boat. So loving God and loving people really is the main thing, according to Jesus. So I want to get back to this illustration. Jesus came, took on an earth suit, and he died on the cross. He lived a sinless life. He was the only one that ever lived up to God's standard. And so when he died on the cross, he died for our sin so that you and I, who could not live up to God's standard, could receive Christ into our life and find eternal life through Christ. He loved us so much, he was willing to come down, Emmanuel, God with us. He wanted to come, take on an earth suit, live a perfect life, to die on the cross so that you and I could have heaven. The only thing he gained by coming down to earth, because he had the glory on the, before he came down to earth. He had the worship of angels. The only thing he gained by coming down and taking on an earth suit and dying on the cross, the only thing he gained was you and me. He chose to die rather than to have heaven without us. I hope no one goes out of here feeling like a nobody. Because you're a somebody to God. I'm so glad he was able to hang out and bump elbows with people who were sinners and people who were down and out to share with us his incredible love. And then I just want to kind of end with a couple slides here. I'm kind of blown away by the fact that he is Emmanuel, God with us. But can I tell you something crazier than that? He not only wanted to be with us and walk side by side with us, 
But he wanted to come and live inside of these earth suits. That's crazy. That holy God, holy, holy, holy God was willing to come take on an earth suit. And then he said to his disciples, when I leave, I'm going to send you my spirit. We're going to come and take up residence in your earth suit. That is crazy. That God loved us so much because we can never live up to God's standard in our own strength. But when he sent his spirit to come and live inside of us, all of a sudden now we can live up to God's standard if we walk in the spirit. If we learn to trust God and walk in the spirit, we can do in the spirit what we could never do in a million years in the flesh. And that is to meet God's standard. I love how he says in Ezekiel, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. What you couldn't do in a million years if I put my spirit in you, my spirit will enable you to be what God wants you to be. And it is a process. It is a lifetime process. My last slide, the one you've been waiting for. I used to have this written in my Bible. I don't even know where this Bible is, but I used to have this on the inside cover of one of my Bibles. Closer to God I cannot be, for in the spirit I am as close as he you know, we sing a song saying, closer, closer to God. Can I just tell you, you cannot get closer to God if you're a believer. Now, I think that song is saying that I need to get some things straightened out. My walk needs to be improved. That's true. But if God lives inside of you as a believer, how much closer to God can you be? Everything you've ever looked for is already inside of you if you're a believer. I want to tell you, Emmanuel, God with us, is such an amazing name of God that he loved us so much and he knew that we could never live up to his standard. So he was willing to die so that he could give us his spirit to enable us to do what he wants us to do. I want to just have a, a time of prayer here. And sometimes I'll say, bow your head, close your eyes. This time I want you to keep your head up, eyes open. I just want to take a minute and I... You know, as Ron was talking about the people that he ministers to that are hurting, can I just tell you the truth? Every Sunday, there's people hurting. We don't often say it at church, and sometimes we smile. Can I tell you there's not a week goes by that you're not up against something bigger than you? Your children, some of your children are in bondage uh, to drugs, alcohol. Some of your children, their marriages are coming apart. And the only hope is God. But God's a miracle worker. God's one who's willing to love. I want to take just a minute and pray for everybody here. If you're here today and you just say, I don't want you to come forward. I don't want you to say anything. But just by standing, you're just saying, I just need prayer. Anybody here just need a miracle from God. I just want you to stand right where you are. Don't come forward. Don't say anything. You know today that you need a fresh touch from God. To those of you who are seated, and maybe some of you still need to stand, I just want you to look around at those who are standing. 
I just want you to reach out a hand towards somebody that's close to you. With your eyes open, I just want you to reach a hand towards somebody. Can we pray for these who are standing that just say they need a touch from God? And if you're not standing right now, you will be standing by the end of the week. It's probably not a week goes by that we don't need a fresh touch from God. Let's pray for these who are standing. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are standing. And God, whatever the hurt, whatever the pain, I'm not necessarily asking you to take them out of it, but God, in the middle of it, may they experience your grace and your love. Father, fill them with your spirit. I pray that Jesus would be enough, Lord. I pray for that miracle that, God, you would do what only you can do in their life. May your grace be sufficient, Lord, in times of weakness. Fill them and saturate them with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.